0: Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer.
1: risen, and that's what we celebrate today. And we want to welcome you to Greenville Oaks, and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here on this Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I'm actually completing a series I've been going through for the past five months. It's been a long series through the entire Gospel of Luke. We started at Christmas telling the story of Jesus' birth, and have gone all the way up until this Sunday. And so this is the conclusion of this, but I want to let you know about what's coming up next Sunday. We've got a series we're starting called uh, Launching Disciples. And it's going to be really a five-week conversation about what we're trying to do with children, with our children and our students to help launch them into the world as missionaries sent on God's mission when they leave this place, when they leave our homes. We as a church believe that families are a vital part of what God is doing in all the variety of ways that families look in our time. And we want to help families, no matter where they are, help pass faith on to the next generation and help their children become faithful followers of Jesus because we have a a positive faith that we've been handed. We want to make sure that gets handed on and that only happens in a connection between the church and the family. The family is the primary place where spiritual development happens for kids, but we want to come beside all of our parents. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our baby dedication service, which is one of our favorite Sundays of the year, where we'll dedicate our children to God and commit as a church family to walk with them. A few weeks later, we'll have our senior Sunday, which is the Sunday that we celebrate our high school seniors that are graduating. Uh, And we'll get to talk about the span of life that happens from birth through our high school graduating seniors and how we can launch them as better disciples but this morning is about the resurrection of Jesus and this is the good news is that Jesus rose from the grave and we're staking everything on this event you know after Jesus was crucified on that Friday there were no believers there were no Christians because after Friday everyone left Jesus because they thought that was the end of the story they thought it was game over at that point When Jesus died, there wasn't a countdown clock outside of the tomb with everyone waiting for the resurrection to occur. The closest thing we have are faithful women that show up, but they have burial spices in hand as well. Everyone thinks that it's over. Here's the reality of Easter Sunday. Nobody expected no body. Everyone expects that when someone dies, that that's where the body stays. But that's not the story that we believe and that we stake our lives on, that we have our hope for the future in. And so the church didn't start because of the teachings of Jesus. The church didn't even uh, be- The church began because Jesus rose from the dead, and he was seen by witnesses. After that fact, our faith is not even built on a book or on a confession or on beliefs. It's built on an event: the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, there's no reason we ought to gather today. We gather today confessing we believe that Jesus did rise from the dead, and it's changed everything in our world. He is risen. Let us pray together as we open our time in the word this morning. God, we thank you that the tomb is empty. And that what happened on that fateful Friday so many years ago uh, doesn't have to be the final word in Jesus' life, and it's the same for those of us who are, uh, who die in Christ. God, that we have a hope for eternity, for a future for forgiveness, for reconciliation, and that you want to make all things new and that's now possible because of the event we celebrate today. So thank you. Thank you so much for the, the sp- same spirit being there that rose Jesus from the dead that's still in us who are believers in Jesus. Thank you for these gifts. And this morning, we don't want to take it lightly. We want to look again with close eyes the ways this changes our world. I pray this morning that you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts and shown in our lives. And it's the name of Jesus that we pray and all God's people said, amen. I want to begin this morning by reading the story out of the book of Luke, Luke 24, beginning in verse one, the words will be on the screen, but you're able to follow along there as well on your phones or in your Bibles. It says on the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look here for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember, he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, there's so much to this story that I I love. I love that death is not the end of the story, amen? That with God's presence and work in the world, we have hope for our loved ones who have passed in Jesus. And for those of us, we believe that death is not a period, it's just a comma. And I also love that the Bible doesn't report this scene like some kind of propaganda piece. I mean, what would be more believable? Is it more believable to believe the women show up and when they see the body is in the tomb, they go, oh yeah, I don't know why we brought these spices anyway. This is just what we expected. Or would it be believable if the women in calm, hushed uh, tones went to the other disciples and they said, hey, guess what? He's risen. And they all said, yeah, it's what we expected. Why did you run to the tomb anyway? Or is it more believable that people have a hard time believing in the resurrection? I mean, this is what I love about the Bible is the Bible refuses to be propaganda. The women are surprised. Peter has to run and go see the empty tomb himself. Even those who walked closest to Jesus come to this moment where resurrection is is proclaimed and they still struggle to believe. Thomas says, I won't believe it till I put my hand in his side. And I love that the Bible, the authors of it, don't feel like they need to hide that surprise. There's no need to hold the apostles up on a pedestal to put them on some pantheon with Jesus on par with him. They're people just like us. They have good moments and they have not so good moments. But God is going to use these normal people in the years to come to change the world. It's the reason we have this gospel. It's the reason that we celebrate today in the United States of America is because people across the globe told this story and were witnesses of this event and believed it and gave their lives for it. And what that means is we as normal people can change the world again as well. The first thought these people had was not, of course, the resurrection. Jesus told us. Instead, it's what in the world is happening. If there's anything in our world that makes sense to us, it's in strange moments like this, our response being similar things. We struggle to believe, don't we, in spite of all the evidence that we see. And one thing I love about the women in this story, in this moment of confusion is uh, what shows up to them. I wish that I had the confirmation these women had at the tomb. In fact, I want to read from another translation, the ESV, because I really like the translation of Luke 24, verse 4. Listen to this translation. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Now, how many of you, when you pray a prayer, wish two guys with dazzling apparel would show up and give you a clear word from God? Like, how can I sign up for that clear of a picture? And they remind the women. They don't say anything, you know, miraculous. Don't you remember what Jesus told you? He said he was going to die. He was going to be crucified, but he was going to rise again on the third day. This is what he told you. You ought to have faith in it. But how many of us do the same thing? We've read the promises of God. We've grown up to maybe believe these things or we're coming to believe them. But when things come down to it, when things get difficult, we struggle to believe. We forget the promises of God. And in those moments, I need those dudes with Elton John jackets to show up and say, don't you remember what God said in Joshua 1 9? Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will go with you, will be with you wherever you go. Or maybe they would say, don't you remember what God said in Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. There's so many things about this story and so many lessons that we could take. But several months ago when I was prepping this series, I got to confess something. I, I started prepping and, and I decided I would look at the end of the story before I prep the series. So I got to this part about the resurrection. I was reading through it wondering what's Easter Sunday going to look like this year after we walked through this whole story with Jesus. And I, I noticed a, a word that shows up twice in these 12 verses, that i would never really sh- seen that the same word shows up. And I thought maybe there's more here. So in, the, in a new international version, there's a word that shows up twice. I want to read again a couple of verses just to remind you of the setting of these, this word. The word is wonder or wondering. So listen again, Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. The other occurrence of wondering shows up in verse 12. Peter, however got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And it got me to wondering, uh, yeah, you know where I'm going, about that word wondering. And it sent me on a word search because we have our Bible translated into English for us, Right? But this was originally written in another language. And so it got me to wondering, is that word that shows up as wondering in the English, the same word in the original Greek as Luke writes this story? And it turns out it's not. These are two different words with two very different meanings. And so I want to talk about those meanings for a moment. In verse 4, when the women were wondering about the empty tomb, the Greek word that Luke uses is diaperestai. And the best translation of that is perplexed or confused or at a loss it's the feeling I think we have after if you've ever seen a master illusionist do some kind of incredible magic trick and your thought is how in the world did that happen? You're confused about it, you're perplexed. If somebody does a card trick with these cards, you want to grab those cards and see what exactly is these is with the trick here. Like there's there's got to be an explanation here. That's what this word I think is getting at. It's shock, it's perplexing, it's confusing, it's I'm at a loss. Luke uses this word a couple, several other times in the Gospel of Luke and then in the book of Acts as he writes the follow-up of the story of the early church. One of those occurrences is in Acts chapter 2. It's when the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost and there's fire, flames, of, you know, tongues of fire on their heads and there's a strong wind that sweeps through and they, you remember they speak in different languages and they know the Holy Spirit gives them to speak in different tongues so that all the diversity of people there can understand the message that's brought there at Pentecost. And the word that's used there to describe that scene is they were wondering, they were confused, they were perplexed. It's that word that Luke uses here in this passage to describe the women. But in verse 12, it's a completely different word. In verse 12, uh, the word that Luke uses is And The best translation of that word is to marvel, to be amazed, to wonder at when I think of this word, the best thing I can think of is when, if you were to go camping or go out somewhere where there's not as much light in the night sky, or maybe it was a couple nights ago when you saw the, the moon as large as it was, the pink moon, and, and you go out and you see these stars in the sky, right? There's this sense of awe that we have when we're put in front of these things that are larger than us, when we realize there's some force at work that created all of this. That sense of awe is the idea that's here in verse 12 that Peter experiences, It's the same word actually that Luke uses earlier in the gospel when Joseph and Mary go to dedicate Jesus at the temple. And there's an old man named Simeon who's there, who's waiting for the Lord. You remember this? And the word that's used there when Mary and Joseph hear Simeon's prayer and words over Jesus, they marveled, they wondered at these words. The same is there in Luke chapter 8 when the Disciples are with Jesus in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there's the storm that comes, and Jesus says, Peace be still. And the waves are calm. In that moment, the disciples marvel, they're amazed, they wonder at the power of what Jesus had done. So this English word wondering has quite a spectrum of possible meanings. But these words in verses verses four and verse twelve are, are worlds apart in their meaning. Like one means. I, I don't quite know what to make of this. I'm perplexed at this. I'm, I'm shocked at what happened. What's, what's behind this trick? The other is, I'm amazed. I wonder. I'm, I'm in awe of whatever must be behind this. There's quite a difference between feeling perplexed and standing in awe. And we live in an incredible moment. We, everything is amazing in our world. We live in a world where if you decided today you wanted to go to Australia, you could buy a ticket and be there in 24 hours or less. Probably we live in a world where if you're hungry one night and you decide I want avocados and oranges, you can go to Walmart at four in the morning and find them no matter what season it is. It's an incredible world in so many ways. We, we live in a world where we have cell phones. And if we want to know the answer to something, we don't have to fight and bicker about it over dinner. We just ask Alexa and she tells us the answer. It's a remarkable world that we live in. We live in this amazing world, but the trouble is the more we have, the less amazed we are. The less we stand in awe of things. If you think your kids or grandkids aren't grateful, just wait for your great, great grandkids. Because the more we progress, the less amazing things get. There's a comedian who made this point quite well a few years ago. And I would tell you that comedians, at least the best kind, are the ones who are actually modern day prophets. Like they sneak in these incredible truths that a preacher could not get away with. But with the humor they use, there's a truth that can be brought out about our culture. And I remember one bit that this guy did. He talked about how everything is amazing and nobody's happy. I mean, think about the changes that have happened in the last century. Like, some of you grew up with phones on a wall that you had to be connected to to talk on them. Right? Like an amazing idea. And, and if somebody had, like, two zeros in their phone number or three, you hated dialing it because you had to go all the way around the rotary phone, right? I mean, and that seems bizarre to think about that in our own day. Or if you wanted money, you had to go to the bank, but you couldn't just go through an ATM. You had to go inside and write yourself a check. Like, whose idea was that? And if you ran out of money... You just couldn't do stuff. Like, that was the end of it, right? And now we've got phones that do incredible things. I mean, for us, if it takes more than a couple seconds for a video to load, we're like, forget that. The thing's going to space and back. Can you give it a few seconds? Or maybe you've been on an airplane, and, you know, years ago, it was just amazing to maybe have a movie on the screen, but now you've got your own touch screen in front of you on some planes, and they have Wi-Fi up in the air. And it's amazing how we go from, like, Wow, there's Wi-Fi in this flight, too. I can't believe the Wi-Fi's so slow. It's like you're 30,000 feet in the air. Isn't this amazing? Everything's amazing, and nobody's happy. And we all know the person who talks about their flight after they get off the flight. It was like it was the worst day of their life. Like, they wait 20 minutes for, for the plane to get there, and then there's 40 minutes they wait on the runway, and they're just complaining. Like, this is a story you can complain about in our day, Right? Or delays on flights. It's just too slow. It takes too long. Like it took you five hours to get from New York to California. That used to take 30 years. And and when you got there, you like had a whole new group of people because people died on the way. And I, I say all that to say that's actually a prophetic word in our age. We can laugh about it, but there's a reality that when things have come so far and yet we're less amazed by everything. I'm just imagining people today, like if they were to walk through those stories in the Bible, right? And they were to walk, like modern day people were to be there. Like the Exodus story, right? Amazing thing. Maybe you saw it on TV last night. They showed it, the Ten Commandments, one of my favorite movies, right? But as they go through the the, the water, I mean, they've had the ten plagues. Moses raises his arms. God parts the seas. And I'm just imagining someone today being like walking through the Red Sea, like, you know, stumbling through the water trying to get there, right? Or David and Goliath happens, and and they don't even notice it, right? Because they're like, hey, that may be cool, but look at the episode of Game of Thrones, right? Like, it's amazing what we have in front of us, and yet we're less amazed than we've ever been before. What I think is that humans need to experience wonder, a sense of awe. We need to thaumazo all over again. We need to experience what Peter experienced. We need to be amazed. We need to feel small and insignificant, And know that there's a being larger than us who's more powerful. See, with every advancement, we lose something. That's why when you go to mission trips in third world countries, you come back and you're amazed at the joy on their faces. You're wondering, how can you live like that and experience that much joy? But maybe it is living like that that creates the joy. And that's the curse of living in 2019 is everything's amazing and yet we're not happy no one's filled with joy it seems and we are deceived if we wonder why rates of anxiety and depression and suicide are on the rise when Peter marvels at the resurrection of Jesus he stands in awe he wonders he marvels he's amazed if there's an experience we need in 2019, it's to experience that feeling more often. In fact, research shows us that, that we need awe and wonder in our world to live as good human beings. It's why when you look up at the night sky in awe of what God has created, that act it like diminishes our focus on ourselves and it expands to see that there must be more at work in the world. It moves us from pride and self-focus to focus on others and on the infinite. They did an experiment a few years ago at UC Irvine about this very thing to prove this hypothesis. They exposed participants to images of nature and video clips from BBC series, Planet Earth. And then they asked the participants questions measuring ethical behavior and generosity. And those who reported feeling a sense of awe or recalled a time when they felt awe demonstrated more ethical behavior and generosity than those who were self-focused. Or experience pride. That's the power of this story. The power of this story is so many different facets that we could go into today, but I wonder if part of the kingdom of God coming on earth is us having awe again at things we've long lost the wonder at. See, the resurrection changes everything, the, the resurrection invites us to see everything through a new set of lenses lenses of gratitude, lenses of awe, lenses of wonder. So to close this sermon, I thought the best way I could do it was not to tell you more about this awe and this wonder, but maybe to point out in some way, through some sort of parable, a way for us to realize that we take things for granted and we don't have the awe and the wonder that we should have, the famad zone that Peter has when he leaves the tomb. And so I... I thought I'd show you this video clip that we'll see in just a moment. It's a, a scene with a, uh, it seems like a birthday party or something like that. And there's an older guy who has been colorblind all of his life. And I, maybe some of you have seen videos like this lately. They have these, these glasses that people who are colorblind can put on and see, and to some degree at least, what the rest of us see all the time. And when I saw this video, I thought, that's a parable for this story. Let's watch this. color for the colorblind. I'm, I am colorblind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. Oh, these, are,
1: these are special glasses. Your kids have been engineered that when people wear them that are colorblind, you get to see color just like we all see color. So. And it came with balloons and all that. Oh, my I can put these on
0: and it'll... You'll see color this color like, like it was you supposed to be? It'll correct your eyes so that you'll see how... It's so
1: clear, I can't believe it. Dad, do you
0: you hate it?
1: You can go on online and you can see a lot of videos like this. And it makes me realize that what we see every day, what we take for granted is something that is full of awe and wonder if we just take the time to look more closely, to look into the lives of people, see the miracles of God, just to see what we've taken for granted. And what I want to suggest to you is that the resurrection is that kind of lens, right? The fact that Jesus is, is, that the tomb is empty is this reminder that the world is an amazing place. If we just had the eyes to see it and it, what it does for Peter's, it changes everything for him because in several weeks he's going to get up and he's going to preach a sermon. The same one who denied Jesus is as if the resurrection is like putting a new set of lenses on to see the world in a whole new way. And he's able to preach in such a way through the power of the spirit and people respond and they start to put glasses on as well. And they see the world differently than the world around them. We live in an amazing time. I, I wouldn't want to go back to earlier times. I'm excited for what God's going to do in the future. It feels like an amazing moment with all kinds of struggle and challenge But if we have eyes to see the world as the resurrection allows us to see it, God is making all things new. And on a morning like this, we gather, we sing songs, we take communion. Communion is that reminder every time we take it of putting those lenses on to see the world in fresh ways. And the Holy Spirit gives us that same gift when we become followers of Jesus to see the world in new ways. My prayer this morning for you is that you would see the world in fresh color. That you would see the wonder that fills it. Because it's one thing to look skeptical, wondering how the magic trick happened. But it's another way to wonder, to step back and say, I'm amazed. I'm in awe of what God has done. And God, would you help us see more clearly again the joy that is all around us. The new life that's bursting forth with the flowers and the lilies that are around us. God, would you remind us of the good that's in this world and the good that you brought with us. It's good to be together today because I need you to help me see the world more clearly. And I think that's true for each one of us. Let me pray as we close our time this morning. God, we thank you so much for this new lens that you've given us for the world, for the way the resurrection changes everything. And forgive us for the times that we have our heads buried in our phones or that we have our heads buried in uh, coming to see things as normal that are so amazing in the world around us. And we, God, we thank you this morning for the resurrection of Jesus. That's what gives us hope and that's what allows our faith um, to become sight. That's what allows For others to see you in us is when we respond to that with gratitude and with joy. And so this morning, God, in the midst of wherever we find ourselves and whatever death that we may experience, God, we thank you for the new life that is ours in Jesus Christ and for the empty tomb that gives us hope for the future. So God, we thank you and we want to live resurrected lives full of joy, full of awe, full of wonder as we leave this morning. Help us to see in fresh ways as we share meals together today, and as we remind each other of the story that's changed everything. We pray this in the name
0: of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.